Attention all mortals, veterans and civilians alike. It's time to buckle up and get ready for a wild ride because you just tuned in to the Swandingo Files. Your host, Steven Swanson, is here to help you navigate the crazy world of transitioning from military life to civilian life. And let me tell you, it's a bumpy road, but with a little bit of humor and a lot of determination, we can make it through together. And welcome to another episode of the Swan Dingo Files, where the dango ate your baby. Today I got a special <laughs> guest, Denny Chapman. He is a media host specializing in firearms and outdoor sports. Thank you for coming on today, Denny. Yeah, man. My pleasure. Absolutely. So how's the weather where you're at right now? Um, it's good. You know, I'm in Central Florida. I'm in Gainesville, Florida today. I'm inside. I'm looking around like I'm outside. But uh, it's cool, man. It's, uh, it's probably mid-70s. Uh, partly sunny, good, good to go. Well, uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, we're switching places. You're gonna come here to Texas, and I'm going to Florida. So let's, let's swap right now. <laughs> Where, whereabouts in Texas are you? North, North Texas, right next to the Oklahoma border and Wichita Falls. Okay. Okay, gotcha. I've actually competed up in Amarillo. Man, that is the windiest place I have ever been to. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> I'll, I'll never understand why uh, Chicago got the windy city when this here. Yeah. Like literally northern Texas, I've gotten more wind, more tornadoes yeah. already in the year and a half I've been here yeah. than anywhere else. Yeah, I'll take Amarillo over Chicago any day of the week, though. For I'll sure. Take, I'll take Texas over any blue state, honestly. So, right, right. I hear you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So today I just kind of want to ask you, like, how did you get in the guns? Some of your sporting competitions that you've done. I know you've got some titles. Um, but really, I just kind of want to know, get to know Denny and, and – why the hell you're in the gun so much? But <laughs> man, let me, ask, let me okay. ask one question first. Okay. Do you consider yourself a gun nut? A gun nut? Yes. I don't know. What's the definition of a gun nut? I don't know. Maybe. What, I don't know. That's just, that's just what liberals <laughs> call people with, uh, oh, oh, okay. They would probably call me a gun nut. Yeah, they'd probably call me a gun nut. Um, my, my buddies and people know me would probably call me normal, <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, so to answer your question, uh, I grew up with firearms as tools. My, uh, my whole family, uh, you know, I grew up in a rural, pretty much a rural environment, uh, hunting, fishing, shooting. Um, I got a few years on you when I was in school. Uh, the parking lot of my high school, you would see pickup trucks with gun racks in the back. No lie. For real. Uh, and there'd be a rifle and a shotgun, usually a rifle and a shotgun in the back window of every pickup truck in the parking lot of my high school when I was mine. And it was normal. And it was not looked upon in a strange way. I grew up in southern Illinois, by the way. Nowhere near Chicago, all the way down to the southern part of the state. Uh, coal mines and cornfields, lots of fishing, lots of, lots of farmland, um, down, almost down in the Mississippi River Valley, down the bottom tip of Illinois. So I grew up around guns. Guns were, guns were a normal tool, uh, that I was brought up with, uh, hunting. I was hunting with my dad and my grandfather by the time I was eight, eight years old or so. I'm, I'm trying to remember back. And uh, it was just normal. It was a normal thing for me. As an adult, um, well, I, you know, my, I really started getting interested in guns when I became a law enforcement officer in the early 90s. And 
um, because I'd, I'd have one on me, you know, for the job. Um, back up a little bit. Um, pretty much my whole family has had military history, served in one form or another. Uh, and by the way, thank you for your service and all of, all of your followers and listeners and viewers. Thank everybody for, for your service. I uh, grew up around it. Family members respect it 100%. Um, and, uh, uh, you, you know, you know, our paths go different directions. I end up going a little bit different direction. Huge, huge respect. A lot of friends and family, um, military service. So thank you guys. Thank you everybody. So by the time I was an adult, uh, at one point in my life, I became a police officer as a young man, carried a gun, and grew up around guns, liked guns, and figured, well, if I'm going to carry I was on a really small department, by the way. It wasn't a big city department. But I took it very seriously, and I figured, if I'm going to carry a gun, I'm going to get good with it, and I did. And uh, that's when I discovered, um, a couple years later, I think in 1997, I discovered probably a lot of you guys watching may not even been born by then, but, uh, uh, I joined the United States Practical Shooting Association as a competitor in 1997. I think 97. Been a member for 27 years. Run and gun, you know, USPSA. Mm -hmm. And, uh, got into it like hard and heavy, fast, uh, and just soaked up as much of that as I could. By the way, I was a mounted police officer. So I was on a horse. So I've always been a horsey kind of guy, right? So, that evolved into another sport called mounted shooting, which is shooting off horseback. And I made a career out of it, not immediately, but eventually, uh, mainly from training the horses, desensitizing them to gunfire. And eventually I became pretty good at that sport and earned some titles and, and I had a lot of great experiences. And, um, gosh, man, one thing leads to another. And next thing you know, I got them on this TV show on History Channel. Um, uh, shooting guns and, and having a good time and, and millions of people watching me do it along with the other guys. And so uh, I guess I have to credit my family for bringing me up around guns, for developing my interest and my respect for guns and learning how they handle guns um, responsibly and correctly in a nutshell. Yeah, and uh, I know you deal with uh, a lot of people trying to – get on the competition shooting and everything like that. Uh, what's the biggest mis- mistake you see out of gun hold or people that, you know, handle firearms, which what's the biggest mistake you've seen, you know, cause you're the expert on it. You've been doing it for, let say your entire life almost. And how old are you? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be 55 this year. <laughs> <laughs> you actually look pretty good, honestly. So <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. Uh, you know, uh, the really like I see, on social media, a lot of folks flexing with guns that, that, that obviously don't understand how guns work or the safety, the rules, the, the things, the guidelines we should follow with guns. And, you know, being, having the military background you have, you know, you learn things very structured. There's rules, there's protocols, there's procedures. And that applies to, to handling guns. Um, half the fools I see on social media posing with guns and doing all kind of gangster crap probably couldn't recite the four cardinal rules of, of gun safety, which are treat all guns if they're loaded at all times, never point anything you're not willing to kill or destroy, keep your finger off the trigger till you're ready to fire, and always know your target must be on that target. We, it behooves us all to remember those four cardinal rules of gun safety. And so that's the biggest thing I see is egos. Uh, some folks using guns to boost their ego. Um, guns are such a fun, cool tool to use. 
not only for its intended, the intended purpose of the Second Amendment, but, you know, hunting and shooting sports are uh, subsidiary things we enjoy because of our Second Amendment rights. So, you know, I would like to see people uh, learn how to have fun with their guns safely and, and instead of just posing on the Instagram and uh, doing stupid, unsafe stuff. And I was going to ask, you said you were the mounted. How how long does it take to break a horse from the gunfire? Because I can only imagine, especially an animal that big, that's yeah. over snakes and other things. Yeah. I've seen literally horses rear up and smash people's faces in. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it's funny. There's a saying: you can shoot off any horse once, <laughs> and then after that, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but uh, because I was involved not only as a mounted police officer but as a professional mounted shooting competitor in the in the sport of cowboy mounted shooting, I learned. Uh, how to desensitize horses to gunfire. We actually used EarPro for horses. They actually had their own earplugs. Um, I used special blanks that were very low power uh, to desensitize the horses while they're moving. I used a round pen um, so that the horse, when the horse anxiety builds up, it has to go somewhere. Because horses are fight or flight. And most of the time they'll flee, they'll run, they, they run from danger, they scoot out. That's why people get dumped off of horses when horses get spooked because they're not prepared for that horse to go, ah, and just jump sideways or, or rear up or move, you know. So I learned how to desensitize horses to gunfire slowly and carefully. And also I learned how to evaluate their response so I know when to take the next step and when I could finally go and shoot, shoot full power ammunition off the horses without them um, having extreme anxiety or, or, or experiencing trauma because of that. So it's a very, um, very, uh, protocol, um, procedure. Uh, I start with ear pro with the horses, very low sound production blanks, not live ammo until I build up their confidence. And some horses were overnight wonders. Uh, some took months and months. Some took six months. Six, eight months. Um, they're all a little bit different, but horses are wired differently because they're a prey animal, not like a dog. Hmm. I've, had, I've dealt with some, with canines as well, but they're totally different. They're, they think differently. They react differently. So horses, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was, it's quite a process and, uh, took me a few years to kind of figure it out. Once I figured it out, I had a really good process going and a lot of people sent horses to me to to become desensitized and like I said I ended up kind of making a living not kind of making a living in the sport uh, for a while training mounted shooting horses horses you can shoot off of and I trained them for other people besides the people in the sport I I, I trained a few police horses I trained horses for cavalry reenactment uh, groups and, and things like that as well and helped also you know there's a lot of volunteer posse members for these sheriff's departments around the country who, who need help desensitizing horses because they're doing crowd control or and parades and things like that. So it was really a big part of my life and still still is to a smaller extent. But I've, I've kind of changed career paths and gone back to my media experience. And really, I spend most of my time just knocking out gun reviews and product reviews for um, uh, 2A industry uh, goodies, products, toys, guns, optics. Yeah, whatever, whatever pays the bills. 
Yeah, I've noticed uh, you, you were doing a lot of gun reviews there. And uh, what is your favorite? Because everybody's got their favorite brand. Everybody's got their favorite overall uh, caliber, you know, yeah. such and such thing, rifle, shotgun. Personally, shotgun, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care too much, like, what kind, as long as it'll, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, gotcha. Um, uh, like, what brand of pistol do you think is the best? Because mine's Glock. Because the recoil, just the feel in my hand, it's, you know, no matter what caliber, just feels like a great, comfortable grip. Yeah. Really, it's what you're comfortable with and what works. You have to, you, you need something good quality, something that works, something that's not going to fail. Uh, and, you know, the cool thing about Glock is Glock has surpassed so many torture tests um, that they've really proven themselves. I'm carrying a Glock 19 right now. So Glock is my go-to carry gun personally. Um, when I compete in USPSA, I compete with a Glock 34, which is a longer barrel, uh, Glock. Uh, and, um, not only that, the PCCs you see me using in USPSA pistol caliber carbines are Glock format, um, PCCs as well, mainly because of the availability of those big stick Glock mags, uh, and, uh, we've figured out through the years how to keep them working, how to, how to keep them running. Uh, and, uh, so Glock is my number one go-to gun, although, um, I have a pretty big collection, have a little bit of everything and you'll find revolvers and 1911s and, and not only striker fire, but other, you know, guns as well. And so, um, but my carry gun is a Glock. So I'm like you, I like my Glock as well. Yeah. I actually bought a gun. I guess it's been about two years now, right? When, uh, and then COVID hit, and I couldn't find any ammo for it. So 45 Long Colt, I still like, oh cowboy gun, yeah. yeah. All right, I bought it just for fun because instead of just buying like, like I have my useful guns for like you know I don't have a whole lot for hunting because I'm sure you know gun laws probably way better than I do by state. But Illinois, you can't hunt with a rifle, so I never bought uh-huh. a hunting rifle. Yeah. I had a badass shotgun, and I bought a 20 round drum with it for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Sure, but, yeah, because you could. But, <laughs> well, you know, certain things were coming up, and they're like, well, they're going to, you know, get rid yeah. of all this stuff. It's like, nah, I'm going to make sure I get at least this before they say no more. Yeah, I did the same thing. I went and bought a bunch of D60s and D50s, Magpul uh, uh, drum mags and whatnot. But, uh yeah, I get that. But, you know, growing up in Illinois, I remember uh, – hunting with a uh, slug slug barrel shotgun during deer season because they wouldn't allow. I don't know what the laws are now there, but, uh, yeah. You the same. Uh, or, or muzzleloader. I think you hunt with a muzzleloader. But, uh, yeah, man, um, I, I shoot matches every weekend, either USPSA or Steel Challenge. Steel Challenge is a really neat sport if you've never tried that. Um, it's a timed event. You're shooting steel. Shooting steel targets is instant gratification because you hear that that's the sound ding 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 it's like it's like instant gratification um and it's a lot of fun i also shoot a sport called action steel which is like uspsa but instead of paper targets it's all steel so um it's really really fast and furious i got a lot of clips on i post a lot of my clips on instagram and uh if anybody wants to check them out, you can find me at Denny Chapman Media, M-E-D-I-A, like television media, Denny Chapman Media. I post a lot of stuff. I just posted a, a reel from this weekend on my Instagram 
Uh, I put three or four stages together running my PCC and, uh, I just, I have the best time with my shooting sports. Even though I don't shoot off the horses much anymore, I still love my constitutional rights and, and, um, and using, using those guns. And by the way, a lot of my shooting buddies are, uh, former military guys, uh, from a lot of different branches. And, uh, matter of fact, I was shooting a tournament, I think it was about a month and a half ago. And somebody from the Air Force shooting team was there, which is really cool. And of course, I have, I have a lot of friends and, and that I see every weekend that have served in one branch or another. Uh, so, you know, I guess it kind of goes hand in hand, you know, uh, shooting sports and, and, uh, military. And not everybody may have the interest that you and I have in it, but, uh, I see it a lot. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I love shooting and everything. It's, I think it's time to start getting my kids. I got six kids. So it's really time. Oh, to start wow. My, some of them, not yeah, all. You, I still got a two year old okay. running around. So he ain't cool, ready. Cool. Yeah. So. Oh, get this, get this. I have a buddy who has, who's 10 year old son. He started him shooting two years ago at eight years of age. His name is Martin Reyna, R-E-Y-N-A. You can find him on Instagram. His Instagram handle is champion shooter one or something like that. Uh, but just look up Martin Reyna. He beats, it's 10 years old. He beats half the adults at every match. 10 years wow. old. He's that good. He's that, I'm good buddies with his dad. His mom's in the Air Force right now, but it, uh, she's stationed at Andrews. Uh, matter of fact, Valerie Reyna. But, uh, you're talking about getting your kids started. Amazing what now this kid's kind of a prodigy, I'm going to say. I mean, their whole life is ate up around shooting. He's homeschooled. Um, they shoot matches. They shoot probably two or three matches a week. And, uh, the kid's going to be a world champion, no doubt. Out, really outstanding. Uh, man, he, I don't know what he thinks about joining the military, the shooting competitions that they do in there and they travel the world and compete against other militaries. Great story, uh, right here. So I was a recruiter, uh, 2012 to 15. I had a 16 year old kid walk in my office one day and said he's going to join the U.S. Army shooting, shooting competition, uh, under the pistols. I can't remember the actual name of the Army shooting, shooting competition, but, um, it's like, they're like the best, some of the best shooters in the world. It's like, no, you're oh, not. Yeah. You're 16 years old. And he's like, <laughs> I, I bet I do. Okay. So you can't even join until you're 17. So he walks him off yeah. at 17. He's like, shows us the letter and it's like, seriously? Like how and how? And it comes by night. He was like number two in the nation for pistols at that time. Wow. Uh, the, the army recruited him. But even funnier, so he still has to join under a military occupation. Okay. So after the job and the army. Yeah. He went down for 11 Bravo, the shortest school you could get. Okay. Yeah. He, he didn't qualify. Guess why? Infantry, which is infantry, right? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yes, that's infantry. Yeah. yeah. But the funny part is he didn't qualify because he didn't vision, qualify. Nope. His vision was not correctable to 2020. And it's like, Dang. this kid, like, probably beat Anybody in the military <laughs> with pistols are pretty close. Yeah. And you're saying no for infantry? It's like, uh, he ended up having to join combat engineer, then he completed, okay. and he, he, he did end up going. I, yeah. I don't, I, I haven't kept up with him, wish I did, but it's like, man, these kids, and you're telling me about that one, it's like, holy crap, yeah. I need to get my kids more into that, so. Yeah. There are a lot of military, um, shooting team members 
that have gone on to make careers uh, in the professional shooting sports. And I think Max Michel is one of them. I'm trying to remember. I think Max was on the Army Marksmanship Unit. Uh, I think somebody correct me wrong in the comments. Max Michelle, uh, who's out there. Um, there's a bunch of them. Julie Galaw, Galaw, Julie. She shoots for Smith and Wesson. G O L O B. I think's her last name. I think she was on the Army Marksmanship team or one of the shooting teams or something. Uh, she's since retired and she's very well known in the industry. But I see, of course, I, I can't remember all of them right now, but I see them all the time. And, uh, um, there's a lot of them that actually have made careers out of the industry, which is really cool. And then everybody's dream to make a career out of something you really love doing, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it's cool seeing that. Well, I mean, where, like, are, what are the websites or where you go to even find this out? I know you just Google, but like, what are some of the best places to start trying to even get to competitive shooting? Because a lot of people yeah. want to do it, but of course, just like any other sport and shooting is a sport, yeah. you're not going to start you know, and on the national level, you got to start somewhere. I mean, we're, we're sure. Yeah. It's, it's really very simple. Like this, these, these two sports that I shoot USPSA and steel challenge, for instance, uh, you can learn about them at USPSA.org, USPSA.org. And, um, yeah, you start at the bottom. There are classifications. Um, even though you go to matches and other people are shooting, you're really just competing against your own scores to to move up the ranks and they rank you you're a uh a dcba you're delta when you begin or you're unclassified when you begin and then um you shoot a number of classifier stages that matches and then maybe you come a delta or maybe you're really good already and you're a charlie or you're a bravo uh or something like that and you just kind of you you move up the ranks until you get to grandmaster which is the highest like the highest ranking I've been able to reach right now is master. I've got one more step to go in one of my categories to, to reach grandmaster, which uh, I shoot so many different disciplines. I think if, maybe if I bear down on that, I, I can do it. Uh, but I, I enjoy shooting so many different sports. It's, it's hard for me to just commit to one for a while. But, uh, yeah, USPSA. And the cool thing about USPSA is that stands for United States Practical Shooting Association, by the way. So that is the American – um, branch of IPSC, the International Practical Shooting Confederation. And that's the International Practical Shooting Organization. And they have matches all over the world and in the United States, uh, which is really cool. But USPSA is the American version of that. And uh, you can find through USPSA, you can figure out what the divisions are, what category, the categories you may be able to compete in, depending on what firearms you own. What equipment is necessary? It's a sport. Sometimes sports are easier when you have certain types of equipment, right? So they, they have a lot of great articles, suggestions, and links on where to find equipment to be able to compete effectively. And the cool thing is there's so many different divisions that probably if you're, if you're an avid firearms enthusiast and you have an assortment of guns to choose from, or even if you don't, probably there's a category for you. Any pistol caliber Handgun, for instance, can be used in, if I'm correct, 9mm or above in caliber can be used in USPSA. They might cap it off at a caliber. I'm not sure, but pr- almost everybody shoots 9mm these days because it's the most prolific uh, ammunition handgun caliber in the world and will be probably for until mm. both of us are gone. 
but there, people do shoot 40, 45, uh, different variations of nine, nine millimeters, um, nine millimeter major, which is nine millimeter cartridge loaded with extra pressure to meet major power factors. But I don't want to overspeak, uh, and throw out too much gobbledygook information out there. The bottom line is there's a division for everybody. It's a lot of fun. And in this other sport called Steel Challenge, you can actually shoot rim fires also. So 22 pistols, 22 rifles, which is cool um, because the ammo is cheaper. It's available. Uh, it's easy to get kids and women involved because there's not a lot of recoil. It's not intimidating. And it's a really cool sport as well. So you can find them both online. Just Google uh, USPSA or Steel Challenge. You'll find those two sports. Uh, those two alone will keep you busy, and you'll have a great time. There's 13 divisions in Steel Challenge. So odds are, whatever gun you pull out of your safe, there's a division for, for that gun that you can compete in and use. And, man, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, right now I got my favorite gun is the 45 Smith & Wesson M&P. Um, but I yep. got my wife a great one, great for a purse gun, Smith & Wesson 38 Special 5-round revolver for the internal hammer. Yep. Uh, yep. I love I love that thing, but the recoil on that son of a gun is goddamn. That's worse. Yeah, yeah, they're tough. Yeah, we have we have a little Smith 442 at the house, which is a, a concealed hammer um, revolver, five shot. Maybe we may have the same model as you have. Uh, and the thing about those little 38 special revolvers are they're, they're because because of it's physics. It's all physics. We can take a 1911 or uh, would you care Beretta? Did they have Beretta when you were in the service? Uh, yeah, they they have yeah, they still do, but I heard they're phasing them out for. Yeah, I think they're going with the SIGs now. Yeah. Anyway, you take a Beretta, full size Beretta, and take a two handed grip and, and prop with the proper technique be able to handle that recoil. But, the, but it partly because you got a lot to hang on to. Those little revolvers have those little snubby little handles. There's, there's not much there to hang on to. And do you, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you some information. Did you know that your pinky? translates to up to 30% of your grip strength? No, I did not know that, honestly. No. Yes, yes. So if you're shooting a, a handgun that you can't wrap your pinky around, you are sacrificing up to 30% of your grip strength by just using these fingers. And really, you're only using these fingers and this and this webbing because this is your trigger finger. And so all your handle in that gun is with these two fingers and whatever part of your hand is is, is wrapping around it. So the bigger the grip, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the bigger the grip, the more control you're probably gonna have over that gun. You may you may think, oh, this thing's big and bulky, but if you can if you can cover all that surface area with your hands and and do that, you're gonna be able to control that gun. So those little snubbies are cool and concealable, and a lot of them are, are really light lightweight. But when you actually have to shoot it, it's not a lot of fun to shoot. Yeah, nobody see nobody ever explained a whole lot about handguns to me. Uh, military mostly, you know, rifles. Machine sure. guns, rockets, missiles, stuff yep. like that. Um, so nobody's really explained it, and I didn't honestly did not know that's thirty percent of your grip right there in a handgun. Yep. So that's pretty important. Yeah, this was uh, this was the more, most important one of the most important fingers to the samurai to the the samurai warriors because they use this for balance with their swords, and so um, uh, to to punish to punish somebody out there, or if they captured an enemy. Samurai, they chopped their pinky off so they would lose that control and that balance and they couldn't be as an, as an effective as a warrior. Interesting, huh? Yeah, 
I just learned a couple of things today now, and I'm a lot smarter now. I got to yeah, protect you, your pinkies, man. Your pinkies are important. <laughs> so, okay, I got to ask this because I know you've done been on TV before as as a stunt performer in a TV show, uh, The Walking Dead. How did you? Yeah, I got. <laughs> I got lucky. I got lucky. So you know, I have a horse background, right? Uh, we talked about that a little bit. I was as a Mountie and as a, as a competitor in the Cowboy Mountain Shooting Association. So for a while there, I was really having a lot of fun with my horses and I learned how to do, I learned how to roam and ride and trick ride. Uh, the stuff that you see in the, uh, PRCA specialty act where you're standing up riding two horses with one foot on each horse and jumping on and off the horses and doing tricks and stuff like that. So I learned how to do, do some of that and I became proficient at it. To the point that I hired myself out to some entertainment venues and rodeos and stuff. Well, in the meantime, um, through one source or another, I met some folks in the television uh, entertainment industry, particularly with an- using animals with TVs and movies and television movies. And um, uh, the guy who was doing the regular horse stunts for The Walking Dead, uh, his name is Tommy Turvey. Very talented guy. He was off working some, I think he was working that Johnny Depp movie at the time. This is back in 2010 or 11, uh, when Johnny Depp was on that Lone Ranger, the Lone Ranger movie. You remember that? Uh, so he was away. He was normally would have been doing some of those horse stunts. And so through a friend of a friend who I knew him and he knew me said, Hey, maybe Chapman can do it. So they asked me to submit an audition tape of me rearing up on a horse and falling off and, and doing a couple things. And, um, and it worked. <laughs> so I became a stunt man for the walking dead season two, episode five, the episode's called Chupacabra. And, uh, in that episode, you see Norman Reedus's character, Daryl, uh, riding a horse searching for a little girl, Sophia lost in the woods, I don't know if you follow Walking Dead. And his horse sees a snake, supposedly, little movie magic, and rears up and dumps him off. Well, that was me. That was me and, and actually my horse, one of my horses. So, I know, yeah. I know that exact scene, honestly, because, yeah, I did follow the first, like, six or seven seasons. I don't remember. And I, it just kind of got a little bit weird at the end there. But so I know exactly <laughs> scene. My wife was a big-time fan of it. She got me into it. And we oh, cool. watched it after – Afghanistan, 2010-11 or something. I don't remember. Yep. You know, yeah. I'm getting old too. You know, I'm 38, so <laughs> we're getting old, Stephen. But yeah, it was a great. It was great fun, and uh, um, you can't tell it's me. You, you, they did a really good job. They filmed me through trees and tree limbs, 20 yards away, and I didn't look anything. I'm Reedus. I'm like, I'm like five eight and stocky, and and he's like, you know, six foot tall and slim, and nothing like him. I was in the makeup trailer when he came in getting all made up and, and they actually, I had a little bit of hair at the time. I don't have as much anymore. But they pretty much shaved it all off and left just enough to attach a wig to that kind of looked like him. Cause he had that got straggly hair. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, man, I don't look nothing like this dude. He's a really cool guy, by the way, really neat guy. But that's my, that's my stuntman story. I still get residual checks from that. Although sometimes they're 10 or 12 bucks. But it's a lot of fun based on, I guess, digital people renting digital copies or whatever. Uh, every once in a while, I'll get a little chunk there. I can go out to dinner or something. Kind of cool. Kind of fun. Right. <laughs> so I got one final question, though. we got to settle a long-time debate 
between gun owners and yeah. non-gun owners. Mm. Is there such thing as too many guns? No, absolutely not. Thank Are you me. kidding me? <laughs> All you wives and girlfriends out there, no, there's no such thing. It's a fallacy. You cannot have enough guns. <laughs> yeah. Well, I must have the best wife in the world. She wants me to buy guns. She wants me to buy tools. And it's like, that's just crazy. Awesome. So, Man, you better hold on that woman. Yeah. You ain't got the choice now. You got six kids. <laughs> I'm about to say, like, what, what, what am I going to do with her? I got six kids. I mean, uh, she sounds like a great gal. Show. I'm not going to say that on the show, but yeah. <laughs> cool, man. I appreciate you dropping by, Denny. And Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Anybody wants to keep in touch or follow me, uh, I'm on Instagram, Denny Chapman Media. Um, on Facebook, I'm pretty easy to find on Facebook. Just, just search my name, Denny Chapman. Uh, I do some co- pretty cool YouTube stuff for some different gun companies. So you can find me. Oh, I got to, re- I want to give a shout out to Survival Dispatch. Because um, this is a YouTube channel and a company I've been doing some work for. Really cool. So make sure you check them out. Survival Dispatch. they got a really cool YouTube channel. Uh, you'll see me doing some gun stuff for them and some cool stuff. But we have a lot of neat uh, guys that are uh, uh, doing content with us, including a lot of military guys and former military guys. we got we got Tyler White with us right now, as a matter of fact, um, who's had a lot of uh, special operations um, experience in the military amongst other guys. So survival dispatch, check it out. I'm glad to be a part of it. Well, I definitely will. Uh, a lot of that stuff I need to get my kids into too, a little bit more besides just video games, but maybe learning a little bit more about gun handling and how to do everything. But, but I do appreciate you stopping by. I plan on looking you up and following you a lot more and maybe learning cool. some stuff myself, you know. But that's all we have time for today on the Swan Dingo Files. Make sure you protect your pinkies, according to the Japanese and Danny Chapman. I don't (laughs) Pinkies, important. Don't forget that, people. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of the Swan Dingo Files. I hope you've enjoyed this journey with your host, Stephen Swanson, as much as he enjoys recording it. Remember, transitioning from military life to civilian life is tough. But with a little bit of grit, a dash of humor, and a lot of determination, you can overcome any obstacle. So until next time, keep on trucking, and keep swanding going.